couple years ago while I was in seminary, I read a book called To the Golden Shore. And it's about Adoniram Judson. He's a pretty well-known missionary because he's the first missionary from uh, the United States of America. And he actually left from Salem Harbor. So it's like pretty local history. It's a really good book. I'd recommend it. But he, he went as a missionary to Burma, now Myanmar or Burma, depending on who you ask. Um, and he was there. He, was, he was, just went through just enormous amounts of suffering. Uh, two of his wives died. A number of his children he didn't have two wives at the same time. I just want to clarify that. He had one, and then she died, and then he remarried, and she died. So a lot of grief there. Um, he was put in, like, this just terrible, like, prison um, for, like, a long time, and just, like, great suffering. And so I've always kind of seen, like, missionaries as, like, these, these really righteous people. And so I guess the question I want to ask today is, what does it look like to live a righteous life? What does it look like to reflect God's righteousness, God's justice, God's character in the world? I mean, for us, for me. And what does it look like to represent God in a way that honors Him for us? Uh, we've been going through the book of James, and James talks a lot about like doing things, a lot about action. And uh, in a couple of weeks, we're kind of going to wrap up this series in James and kind of bring it all together. But, you know, James is just really direct with commands like, you know, hey, faith without works is dead. We saw, you know, a few weeks ago, like God does not ignore the oppression of the poor. He got, you know, true religion is this, right, that you, you take care of widows and orphans and that you keep yourself from the pollution of the world. And so today James has something else to say about what righteousness looks like, what it likes to what it looks like to live a life that is righteous before God. So if you have your Bible, um, and you could turn to James chapter 1, we're going to look at James chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. That's the title of the sermon. Uh, James chapter 1, okay? It says, uh, verse 19, My dear brothers, take note of this. In other words, pay attention. This is important. My dear brothers, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. What does it look like to reflect God's righteousness? A person that reflects God's righteousness is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. A person that represents God well is someone that is like eager and ready to listen. Isn't that interesting? They're, they're slow to speak, they have self-control over their tongue, and they're slow to become angry. 
not quick-tempered. So being quick to listen means you're eager. You're ready to listen at any moment. When you're um, talking to someone else, you're quick to allow them the space to speak whatever it is that's on their mind. It's like an eagerness, a readiness. I'm living with a family in Manchester right now, and they have a dog named Starbuck. And Starbuck is a dog. And dogs like food. You probably already know that. But um, if you're going to go and give Starbuck a treat, sometimes I'll hold the treat for Starbuck, you should see the attention that is on Starbuck's face. It's like, ready for the command, sit, roll over, shake, speak, jump, dance. You know, he does all these things. And it's like, he is just eager, ready. That's the readiness that we're talking about here, being quick to listen. When I'm speaking to Starbuck, I mean, he is just waiting, just like hanging on every word that I say. Now, granted, because of the food, I mean. But you get the point. I mean, that's the picture that James is giving here, being quick to listen. Now, um, the other aspect of this is like listening is essentially a humble attentiveness to another person. Listening is a humble attentiveness to somebody else. You set aside your own agenda, you stop thinking about what you're going to say, and you kind of put those things aside, humbling yourself, and then you turn your attention to somebody else. It's a pretty simple thing, but it's really hard. Because we're all selfish, at least I am. And so it, it's, it's this readiness, being quick, being ready and eager to give humble attention to somebody else. Now, um, if I was to give a little poll in here uh, and ask you to raise your hand if there was ever a time that I was not quick, please don't do this. If I was not quick to listen to you, there would probably be a number of hands that were raised because I've had conversations with many of you and this is not something that I would say I'm particularly good at in terms of I need some help with this area. Um, And so I I just point that out to say, you know, it's a difficult thing. Um, a couple uh, months ago, it was in February at World Mandate. Um, Jade's laughing because she knows exactly what I'm going to say, even though I didn't tell her this. Because she points this out to me and reminds me of it sometimes. But we had, we had, it was the afternoon session on Saturday, and we left, and we went to Panera Bread. And I sat down next to John Prickett, and um, we, we started to have a conversation. And by that I mean um, he was talking, and I was thinking about something else. Like, like, like the worst that I've ever done, I think, in my life. Like, I just was, I was thinking about something that the speaker had said, and I was thinking about if I should pray for this person in the restaurant. Yeah, it's like really holy, you know, like, oh, should I pray for this person? And I was like totally tuned out. And Jade's like sitting there like looking at me, you know, like realizing that I'm just like not listening at all to anything that John is saying. And I, ended up, I think I ended up apologizing. I hope I did. If I didn't, John, I'm sorry. I'm not always a good listener. But, you know, it, it's, it's hard to do. Um, and I actually made this mistake again this week. I was, I was sitting with a friend of mine, and she was kind of sharing some things, and I was kind of not totally checked in. I just didn't really read like her cues because I wasn't giving an attention to her, a humble attention. And she was later on upset and shared that with me that I just hadn't really kind of 
allowed, given her the space to express some fears and worries that she was going through. So that's quick to listen. So slow to speak is kind of the flip side, right? It's like the other side of the coin. I mean, if you're just quick to speak, like, it's hard to listen when you're just speaking. So, I mean, really, essentially, it's just it's guarding your tongue, right? Having self-control over what you're going to say. And that also requires um, a humility as well because it's recognizing that, hey, I might not have, like, the best thought in the world that everyone just needs to hear all the time, you know? And so uh, Proverbs talks about this a lot. I think I have a few verses up here. Um, when words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. There's another one. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. That's a good one. And discerning if he holds his tongue. And there's one more. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. So, uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say. And even James himself, right? James has a, a large section in chapter 3 about the tongue and, like, the evils of the tongue. You know, he, if you can, like, you know, guard your tongue, that, like, you can have control over your whole body. James says something to that effect, right? It's just an amazing power of self-control. If you can just control your tongue, it's like everything else in your life kind of falls under self-control because this thing is so hard to control. Just blah, right? So, um, yeah, just uh, I watch a lot of sports, and um, there's always, like, announcers in sports games. And, you know, if you want a football game is three hours, a baseball game can be somewhere between like two and four hours if it's the playoffs and it's Red Sox and Yankees, they last five hours. Um, but announcers, I mean, they just, they talk the whole time and they, they make frequent mistakes because they're just talking and talking and there's things happening and you always laugh. Sometimes I just laugh and comment on, oh, you know, that's wrong. And sometimes they correct themselves. Other times they don't because they're just on to the next thing. And so it's the same point here. When we're, when we're speaking a lot, Right? Calamity is unavoidable. It prevents us from being thoughtful and self-controlled about what we're going to speak. And there, there's also something to be said about being slow to speak in that recognizing the power and value of your own words. It's almost like when we're, when we're speaking so much, we really want to express what we have to say because we think it's important, but we're actually devaluing the fact that, hey, I might say something that's really important or something that could be really hurtful. So having that controlled tongue that James is speaking of uh, can, can prevent disaster. So the third thing here is being slow to anger. And basically what that means is being, being quick to forgive. Right? Quick to pardon somebody else. Right? Slow to get upset, slow to become offended, quick to forgive. And this is talked about a lot in Scripture about God. I think James might have this, um, this kind of idea in mind as he's writing this. Oh, that was something that I forgot to say, so we'll just go on. <laughs> and that was, oh, I think I mentioned that. Yeah, no, that was just, yeah, keep, keep going, sorry. We're rolling. I mentioned those. Okay, next one. Okay, um, so, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So it seems like it's kind of tied in with being compassionate and gracious. Okay? Merciful. Next verse. Oh, wow. It says it more than one place, right? And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, this is when the Lord, like, appears before Moses. Really big scene in Exodus. The Lord, the Lord. 
the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Wow. So this is like a key part of God's identity here. As God's revealing himself to Moses, he's identifying himself as being slow to anger. That's God's like heart, along with being compassionate, gracious, right? abounding in love and faithfulness. And then I think there's one more there. Um, okay, so this is, this is in Joel, and this says, Rend your heart and your garments, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. So, so being slow to anger, it's this idea of right, like long-suffering, forgive, quick to forgive, quick to pardon someone, gracious, compassionate to the other. And again, interestingly, this, is, this requires humility. Right? To be slow to anger means you understand that you let people down all the time. That you need pardon a lot of times. And so if you have that understanding, you're going to be quick to give it to somebody else. Slow to anger. Um, now, we started talking about missionaries and like, you know, living this crazy life and jungle and, you know. Um, why is this righteousness. You know, why, is, why are these things, being slow to anger, quick to listen, um, and slow to speak, why would that be really describing like a righteous life? And what about this anger piece? I mean, doesn't God get angry sometimes? And like, aren't we, like, doesn't the Bible say something about like anger is not a sin? Or like, I mean, is it wrong to get angry? You know, why, would, why would this be the picture of, of what it means to be righteous? Well, a person who is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger is someone that has the heart and character of God on the inside. Someone that's quick to forgive and like really quick to give humble attention to another person and careful and guarded with their words to care for someone else is someone that has the heart of God inside of them because isn't that who God is? Someone that is compassionate and gracious, quick to listen, interested in the other, attentive to the other. That is righteousness because that is the heart of God. And so we see with listening, Again, humility is required. And James talks in his book later on in keeping the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listening to someone is loving them. It is sharing love with them. It's giving them space to express their experience. It's valuing who they are as a person. Saying, hey, your thoughts are worth listening to. It's declaring their worth, that they're worth just even having the time of day to give them. That's revealing God's heart. That's what God feels towards us. Um, and you know, everyone wants to be listened to. Everyone wants to be known. Everyone wants to be pursued in that way. Uh, when I was 25, a long time ago, um, a good friend of mine, one of my best friends growing up, he died. And it was kind of a tragic thing. Um, 
And all I wanted was someone to just talk about it with. You know, someone to just kind of listen and like value my experience. Um, and to be able to speak kind of like remembering my friend Luke and to, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. I just wanted someone to like, I just wanted to talk about him. I wanted to talk about it and how I was feeling. And everyone wants that. You know, everyone, especially when you're going through something hard, you just want someone to sit there and listen because you want them to value what you're going through and to validate some of the things that you're feeling and experiencing. And you know what, that's, that's God's heart for us. And you know, slow to speak is the same way. It's just having a heart of, of humility and self-control for someone else. It's caring for them and what you're speaking. Now the anger piece is a little more complicated. But again, you know, being slow to anger, we've already seen that that's who God is. So in some way, we're already mirroring and reflecting God when we're slow to anger. But, but a couple other things to say about that. Um, one, the Bible does not say that anger is a sin. Okay, God gets angry. I think I had a few verses up here just to kind of show that. I mean, it's all over the Old Testament because Israel's always like sinning and God's always like getting angry, but then like trying to great, you know, graciously bringing them along. Um, so here's an Exodus. The Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? Okay, yada, yada. Just, okay, Lord's anger. Next verse. Okay. Anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. This is numbers. The Israelites are sinning. And then I think the third one. Okay, so here, yes, Israel's you know, biggest sin, idolatry. The Lord's anger burned against them. The Lord said to Moses, take the leaders of these people, kill them. Yikes. Okay, so some punishment there. Fear, my fierce anger may turn away from Israel. So there's definitely, like, God gets angry. Okay, so the Bible's not saying that it's a sin. And then in Psalm 4.4, I think is the next verse up there, it says, hey, in your anger, do not sin. So, you know, God recognizes that, you know, anger is kind of this emotional response to some kind of disappointment, hurt, uh, sin, frustration, right? It's this emotional reaction to, hey, things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. All right, this person... You know, didn't invite me to the party. <clears throat> you know, emotionally, ugh, I'm let down, right? I'm sitting in traffic. This is not the way it's supposed to be. You know, can't believe this. I'm going to be late. You know, I mean, you know, small things like that. I mean, bigger things as well. Just like, you know, hurts from family members or whatever. Like, there's legitimate anger that we experience. It's an emotional response to some kind of disappointment. That's a result of the fact that the world is messed up, that it's a fallen place, and there's all kinds of bad things that we're doing to each other all the time. And that's a legitimate thing. Um, but what it says in the next verse here, if you look at verse 20, um, 20, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So man's anger does not somehow produce... Uh, a representation of God's character on the earth. It doesn't bring about God's kingdom. So our emotional reaction a lot of times is not really going to motivate us into something that is good. Now, Anita was just sharing about uh, not for sale. So she may have been really angry when she first heard about that or saddened or some kind of emotional thing, but that emotional charge is not going to lead her into action. 
and I'm, I'm speaking for you here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but my guess is, is that what now motivates her after that emotional thing is love, right? It's the heart of God for other people. So if we're acting out of anger, it's usually not something that's going to produce life or produce God's righteousness towards somebody else. Now, I know you've all experienced this because you grew up and you got angry, you stomped your foot, you yelled something at your brother and sister or your parents, right? I mean, you've all done that. You know, like, what happens when you act out of anger. And that's what James is saying. Hey, like, your anger is not going to produce righteousness. It's totally legitimate, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's a feeling that happens. But it's not something that, if you're, if you're clinging to that anger, if you're grasping it and holding on to it, it's not going to bring life to you. So, um, the, 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 the counter-response when we feel something like that is, again, an attitude of humility and faith. So, in other words, again, being slow to anger, all right? So, my good friend, okay, um, let's use this example of not, fails to invite me to a party. So my initial response is, oh man, how do they not invite me? Like, I'm, you know, I'm not included. And the response then is humility. Again, recognizing that, hey, I'm sure I've done something way worse than that. Recognizing even your own sin in terms of how, what God has forgiven you and acting in humility and being slow to anger. Quick to say, you know what? Maybe they just forgot. Maybe they didn't do it intentionally. I mean, that's this attitude of being slow to anger. Now, the, the thing that we have to be careful of is we, if we're getting angry all the time, we can't use the excuse that, well, anger's okay. Because, yeah, it is, but also, no, it's not. If you're getting angry all the time, there might be a problem that you need to deal with. And it might be that you're a little bit self-important. You know what? I would never do that. I would never do that to somebody else. can't believe they did that to me. I don't deserve this. I deserve better. You know, that's where we go. And the other thing is sometimes we get angry with God. When life doesn't go our way, come on, God, like, I can't believe you let that happen. Or, man, like, I don't deserve this. Like, how did you let this happen? I've been serving you faithfully. You know, I've been praying every day. You know, I haven't done any of these sins. I don't deserve this. The attitude that that is going to allow us to be slow to anger is one of humility and faith. Humility in terms of recognizing our own identity and our own garbage that God's forgiven us and that other people have been gracious to us, but also an attitude of faith of saying, hey God, you really are compassionate and gracious. You really do love me and you have my best interests at heart. Now that's hard to do, but we have to go there. Now we say a lot of times in... Uh, at least Neil says it, I think John says it too, is you've got to have your top button buttoned. Right? And what we mean by that is you've got to establish the fact that God is good. And what he does is good. That's a direct quote from the Bible. It's from the Psalms. The Lord is good and what he does is good. Button that button and the other things just fall into place. Right? The other buttons just line right up. You don't have to worry about the shirt getting crooked. You just button the wrong button in the thing. Right? God is good, and what he does is good. 
That's going to allow us to be slow to anger. And the more we get that truth inside of ourselves, the more we're just going to be quick to forgive. The less we're going to become angry because the more we're going to be willing to give other people grace. Now, I'm, John, I, I talked to you before. I'm going to talk about you again. John Prickett is slow to anger. Now, I'm not saying you should do this, but try to get him angry. Right? See what happens. You probably won't. He'll probably excuse it. He'll probably be quick to forgive and offer grace. And that comes from kind of a recognition of, I'm sure, his own sin again and just a humble heart that God has given to him and faith that God is good. I mean, it all is kind of wrapped up together. So, this is what these things look like, being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Um, I read this passage years ago. I, I was while I was teaching um, in Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. So my, one of my alumni is here. From the, okay. Um, and some other soccer players that I had. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Manchester. Okay. Sorry. The glory days. Um, and I remember reading this passage, and I was like, wow, I really want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So I was like, wow, you know, how can I do this? Like, so I took a Sharpie. I'm so, this is like embarrassing to tell us. I took a Sharpie, and I wrote it on my wrists. I wrote quick to listen and slow to speak. And I was like, yeah, that'll remind me. Like, during the day, I'll, like, see it. And I'm like, yeah, quick to listen. Like, this will work, you know? It didn't really work. I mean, it was just kind of weird and... and <laughs> It didn't really remind me, and it washed off. And like, the, so the question is, how do we get there? How do you, I mean, you can wake up in the morning and say, okay, you know what, today I am going to listen to people. And then you walk over to that person, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to listen to this person who's talking. You know, like, you know, it's like so quickly, like, we just go back to our old way of living. How do we change? How do we become someone that's going to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Because these things do produce the righteousness of God on earth. They represent God and they reflect God's character and they bring about his kingdom, right? They spread God's reign and rule because that's God's character. How do we change and become like that? How do we get transformed? Let's look at the last verse. It says, Therefore, In other words, hey, because this other stuff, you need to do this. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You see, good listeners listen to God. Good listeners listen to God. People that are quick to forgive and self-controlled with their mouth and are ready to give humble attention to another person are people that have listened to God speak to them. Because it's God's Word that transforms us through the power of His Spirit. So James says here first something about getting rid of moral filth and evil or some kind of abundance of wickedness or depending on your translation. 
that you're reading. So the first thing here is kind of good listeners listen to God so that he can reveal the stuff in their life that's got to come out. Right? If you want to be a good listener, if you want to represent God and, be, and have a, a life that brings about, produces God's righteousness, His justice, you've got to let Him get the sin out. The stuff inside of you that's holding you back. And these words here that James uses, it could be kind of indicating the opposite of what he's asking them to do. In other words, pride instead of humility. It could be that. It could be being you know, quick to speak and, and rash with your words. Uh, it could be just kind of like a hot temper. But it also could just be general stuff and kind of covering a lot. Because James kind of does that. He's been talking previous to this about temptation and just kind of sin in general. So James is saying, hey, you've got to get that stuff out if you're going to listen to somebody else. Um, so I was, I was really sick. Not this, this past week, but the week before that. And I just got, man, I was like the sickest I maybe have ever been in my life for like the longest time. It was like from Saturday morning of the July 4th weekend to the following Saturday or Sunday. And I was just like kind of flu symptoms like fever, headache, chills, sweats, um, just like really tired. And I had like just like really sensitive skin. I was bad. And I had got a sore throat. And then I was like, it's like on the couch all week. I've never like had to do that before, I don't think. Like for like a week, just like nothing. And sin is the same way because sin is a disease. It keeps us from functioning properly. It produces dysfunction in us. Um, and the other thing that sin does is it, it, it clogs kind of our ability to receive from God. I was, uh, I, I'm painting again in the summer, and we were spraying the side of this house with like X14 and some other stuff to like kill this mildew that had grown all over it. And the thing like was stopped working. It was like just like shooting out this little spurt instead of like this wide, you know, nice spray so that I could just go like board by board. And so we took, the, we took the cap off of the sprayer and realized that it was clogged. There was like all these little particles of like leaves and junk, dirt and stuff in there. So as soon as we like unclogged it, boom, the flow returned. And I was able to just like really quickly just like go over the whole side of this house. And so it's the same thing with sin. Like it, it clogs our ability to receive from God and to listen to other people. If we've got a bunch of just kind of junk, it's really hard to be able to open up space for somebody else when you're kind of full. There's not much in there. And another thing, like, like sin is, it's just a distraction as well. When we're, you know, I just know in my own life, when there's something going on and I'm, I feel like, you know, the Lord is convicting me of something, it's really hard to think about anything else and give anyone else attention. I mean, especially for me. It's like I can't like, move forward until that's resolved. Um, yeah, so that's the first thing. Good listeners listen to God so that he can convict them of sin and pull that stuff out. And the second thing that James says is that they humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, so the first thing you hear James says is in humility, right? Your, your translation might say in humility or with humility or and humbly. And it really does require humility to accept from God because we have to be in a posture of saying, yes, God, I need you. 
yes, God, I need you. That's the first thing. And I'm going to submit to what you say. Now, the next part of this, the word that's planted in you, the point there is saying that, hey, you've already kind of received this word. Okay? It's already been preached to you. Uh, you've already kind of received it. But the point that being, but then he, interestingly, he says, you know, humbly accept it. So you've already, it's already been like planted in you, but then you still have to receive it. This continual kind of receiving from God. And just one other point in terms of what does James mean by the word here? Uh, it could kind of mean a bunch of things. And I think they're all appropriate. Uh, it could mean, you know, the, the scripture. Like receiving the truth of God from the scripture. It could be listening to the preaching or the teaching of God's word. Or discussing with other people about, you know, God. Receiving that in. Or words from somebody else. That's all God's truth that is able to penetrate our hearts and transform us. All of those different avenues. Or just the gospel message itself. Preaching the gospel to yourself. Right? Really important to receive that word. And there's also kind of the sense of um, the Holy Spirit empowering those things into you. Receiving. Breathing in God. Right? The word of God. The actual word, like Jesus. Right? He is the word of God, as John says. It's taking God in. Taking the truth of God in. And so the last phrase here is that it says, which can save you? Or which can save your souls, your Bible might say. Um, Now, we usually think of just, hey, like God's going to save our soul. Like that's talking about going to heaven and not hell. But it really, you could also translate it this way, like it could rescue your life. It can rescue your life. So yeah, there's totally something eternal there, but there's also totally something here and now. The Word of God is going to rescue your life. It is what is going to transform you. The truth of God empowered into your hearts, the presence of God transforming your life. It's going to rescue you from a lot of pain and sin and evil in your life and empower you to listen to other people. And so that's the, that's the point here that James is making. So um, this really requires uh, a belief that God actually will speak to you. I pause because we don't believe that a lot of times. We come to church on Sunday morning and we kind of just have this small hope that maybe God would do something today, but I really don't think he does because he doesn't love me that much and he's not all that compassionate or gracious and he's quick to point out my sin. No, like that's not God. We have to believe in who God is. The revelation of God's compassionate and gracious character, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness is what's going to enable us to believe that God is going to speak to you today. To you. Yes, to you. To you. God wants to speak. When you read the Bible for just that few minutes in the morning, be ready for God to speak. Be eager and anticipate His speaking. Because God is a God that speaks. He's not like all those other gods that have mouths but can't speak and ears that can't hear, and eyes that can't see. 
He speaked us into being from the very beginning. And He is still speaking today. God wants to speak to you. He's got something to say. He's got a lot of things to say. And usually it starts with, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm compassionate and gracious to you. Slow to anger. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. I want to transform your heart. I want to set you free. Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's our life. The Word of God is what's going to give us life. Power to live well. To live righteously. To minister to somebody else. To listen to them. A mirror only reflects what it beholds. If you hold a mirror up to your face, you see your face. If you point the mirror at the light, the mirror will reflect the light into the room. Right? A mirror can only reflect what it beholds. If we're going to reflect God's righteousness, we have to behold God. Good listeners listen to God. They receive the Word continually from God because it's the life. Good listeners listen to God. So maybe you're thinking, what is God speaking today? I'll tell you what He's speaking. He's saying, I love you, and I sent my Son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. I know you. I know the hairs on your head. I know what you ate for breakfast this morning. And I watched you tenderly do it. I care about you. I know your middle name. I know your favorite food. And I forgive sin. And I sent my son to do it. It all starts with God reaching out and touching us. And we need to receive that from Him. So some questions for you today. Are you quick to listen? Are you quick to give humble attention to somebody else? And do you guard your tongue? You keep a watch over it. And even value your own words and what they might speak to somebody else. And are you slow to anger? Have you been getting upset lately just quickly with people, with situations in life? And if so, then I think the answer is you need to listen to God. We're not just going to say, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. We've got to receive from the Lord. Yes, self-control is important and taking a stand, but true transformation comes from the Holy Spirit empowering the Word of God into our hearts. Good listeners listen to God. That's how they get there. Because they just, God's spoken to them about who they are and He's transformed them. 
So I want to I welcome the band up. And we're going to do just a quick little exercise to start applying this right now. So I just want to take a minute, if you would just close your eyes. And um, I'm just going to ask God to speak. Now, the first thing you've got to fight is the fact that you're already thinking God's probably not going to say anything to me because I always think that first. So reject that right now and put that aside and say, nope, of course he would speak to you because you're his favorite. You're his favorite person and he's going to speak to you. So trust that God wants to do that. So just want you to hear from him. Could be something that he's convicting you of right now from this passage about not being you know, quick to listen or slow to speak or something like that. Could be something else that he needs to get at or some sin that he needs to convict you of. I just want to practice this for about um, 60 seconds to a, half, to a minute and a half, and then Jenna is going to take over. So let's listen to the Lord and just remember that good listeners listen to God.